The Hearth is for you if you're a business leader with a team. Here, we have conversations about how to keep growing when you feel you've reached your capacity, when what you're doing is working, but you're starting to see the cracks, when there's a gap between where you're at now and where you want to be. Here, we find ways to transition through the struggle of survival toward creating a thriving business that supports you and your team as whole humans. Your host is me, Candace Elliott. I'm a business strategist and mentor who specializes in working with business owners who are going through periods of growth especially when you're adding more people to your team. The practices and systems that worked when your team was smaller just don't seem to fit anymore. And when you're caught in stress and reaction, it's tough to reimagine the way that you created your world of work, both your own personal one and the one that you created for others. I help people align their values and business practices to build practical, sustainable, thriving work ecosystems. And no, this isn't just some work utopia talk. To do this, I bring forward my decade-long professional background in human resources and organizational development, working with growing businesses across many sectors and my decades-long search for meaning and wholeness, which includes researching the history of work and how it came to be what it is today, practicing a trauma-informed approach to business, and integrating work, life, and spirituality into a meaningful whole. Let's take this journey together. Hello, brave souls. Today, I'm going to be talking with you a little bit about doing raises for the whole team. And it's sort of related to this question that's been coming up recently in conversations that I've had with folks that are newer to my work and to the work of Fortress and Flourish, which is, what is an HR strategist? Or like, what is an organizational development strategist? Why would I talk to you? (laughs) What are the kinds of things that we would work on together? Um, And so raises for the whole team is definitely one of those things, right? It's you're going to bring in an accountant probably to look at the financial part of that and to do projections. Um, But really, when you're thinking about the strategy of it and the implications of what you're doing, not just financially, but also for your team um, and the, the leadership development of your team and just the dynamics and culture of the team, then that's a time when you could talk to someone like me. Um, so I'm just going to sort of talk through some of the things that I discuss with clients when they are coming around to a time when they want to do raises either for their whole team or for a, a group of people within their team. There's sort of this 
like assessment phase that we do first, which is how well is the way that you are paying people now working for you? And so things that are related to that are, are you attracting qualified candidates for your open positions? Are you getting enough qualified people when you're trying to hire? And if you're not getting enough qualified people, there are a variety of reasons for why that might be, right? It's not just pay. Pay could be something that is a part of it. It also could just be the way that your job ad is written or that it is not posted in the place where the people um, you are trying to find are looking for jobs. Um, It could have to do with your recruitment strategy, but pay could also be a part of it. Um, So that's something that we look at um, in a part of doing raises for the whole team. Another question is, are you keeping the people that you are hiring? So when you hire someone, how long do they stay with you? And this is another question where pay is one factor of many <laughs> that has to do with employee retention, right? It's a major factor. It's a it's a major reason why people leave jobs. So that's why we look into it. But it isn't the only thing that there is, right? It could be that the way that the person is interviewing for the job makes the job seem like it'll be one way. And then when they get into the job, it's another way. Um, there's like sometimes this disconnect between how people go through an interviewing process, you know, what they learn about the company and the job, and then what it's actually like when they start doing the work. And so that's something to keep in mind. But pay is another factor if you're paying um, very low compared to what the market is doing, then if you are losing a lot of people, then you may want to consider making some bigger adjustments for certain positions. So um, that's why we talk about these things, because we aren't just looking at pay alone or pay relative to profit. We're looking at how pay relates to all of these systems that happen in your organization. So another you know, thing that that we do that we look at when we're doing raises for the whole team or for a a group of people, like maybe a department or a class of employees, a class is like all of the managers or all of the directors or, um, you know, one of those groups of people. So another thing that we look at is how do the responsibilities of different positions in the organization relate to one another? Like what are the levels of responsibilities that people have? And do those make sense with the titles and the the organizational structure and reporting structure that you have in place? And how does that relate to pay? So if there's a very big discrepancy in someone's level of responsibility and, and the pay that they're receiving relative to someone else who has a similar level of responsibility, then that's a correction that we want to make when we're doing pay raises across the board. And how does that happen? I mean, that can happen a lot of different ways. Um, people who are promoted from within an organization tend to be paid 
more lowly compared to people who are hired from the outside of an organization. And so what can happen over a number of years is you're promoting people from within while also hiring from outside of the organization. And so there gets to be this um, disparity between those two groups. Um, You can have situations where maybe someone was, you know, sick for a period of time. And so their pay was kept the same while others were raised. But really, that person's level of responsibility is the same as those people who are making more money. And so these are the um, values-based and equity-based decisions that you have in front of you when you're doing raises for a large number of people at once, right? So you can make corrections because things, things can become unintentionally unfair over time um, with small decisions that happen one by one with different people. And so it's good to take a look at it, you know, broadly. And so how do these people's responsibilities relate to one another and how do they relate to pay? And are there valid job related reasons for any discrepancies that are there or you know, maybe there aren't. And so then it's time to make a correction. And so when I work with folks on raises, (laughs) um, I do benchmarking for the company. And so benchmarking is when you look at what other similar companies are paying for similar jobs. And there are a few tools that I use to do this. One of them is widely available to everyone, (laughs) Um, and it is Indeed. On Indeed, especially in California, now that there are wage transparency rules, um, there's a lot of very valuable information about compensation that is now widely available just through um, Indeed, where people post jobs. I call Indeed like the clearinghouse for jobs. And if you want a free way to post on Indeed, um, click. I'll put the link for that in the show notes. But I made a video about how to do it um, so you guys can stop wasting your money on ads on Indeed. It's tricky the way they get you to, to pay for something that you can really um, pretty effectively recruit you know, very similarly without having to spend a lot of money on it. Benchmarking. So that's one of the resources that I use. And I look in the local market to see what local jobs are paying that are similar to, to the jobs in the company that I'm working with. So, um, let's say for example, that I am, you know, working with a bookstore. So then I would be looking at other, sort of retail shops. I would also be looking at the food service industry um, and trying to come to an understanding of what people are making in that local market. Um, And I try to get as local as possible. Um, I live in Santa Cruz, California, which is, has a pretty unique, (laughs) um, wage and hiring market. Um, and so when I'm looking for companies who are around here, we'll look at Santa Cruz. We might look at Monterey, which is just on the other side of the Bay from us. And then we might look at San Jose, which is the nearest big city, um, just to kind of have a spectrum of an understanding of what wages are looking like. 
So I really am industry specific, location specific. Uh, and then also I am looking at the size of the company. Um, so it oftentimes does not, it depends on the industry, but sometimes uh, it doesn't make sense to compare pay for a small company with you know less than 50 employees to a company or an organization that has thousands of people who are working for it. Sometimes it does, and in some industries it does, but in others it does not. So um, we have a look at what makes the most sense. And those are some of the parameters that I use with all of the different um, benchmarking tools that I am using. So um, so Indeed is one that I already mentioned that anyone can check out. Another one that I use is called the Economic Research Institute's Salary Assessor. And this is a professional compensation analysis tool that I subscribe to every year so that I can have the most up-to-date and current information about pay. Um, so what this organization does, the Economic Research Institute, is they purchase all of the salary reports that there are, basically, a lot of them. So they purchase all the main large salary reports that employers participate in. What a salary report is, is when a company sends information about pay and benefits uh, to a third party and they put together a report and create basically what the benchmarks are. And they're often industry specific. So um, Mercer is one of the salary reports that I've used in the past. And there are other major ones. Um, there's also data from just payroll processing companies where these companies, they have, you know, most of the payroll that happens in the United States is run through some kind of a payroll processing company. And so each of those companies has their own salary reports as well. And so those reports are typically available to people who are clients of those payroll processing companies. Um, so I know Trinet has one, I think ADP has one, Paychex might have one. Um, so if you are using any of those payroll processing companies, I would recommend reaching out to them if you want a resource for doing your own salary benchmarking. Um, so, um, so we get this data, right? And we look at, you know, how does the pay in the company relate to how jobs are being advertised, which is what is on Indeed. And then how does the pay in the company relate to how people are being paid in the industry? And one of the great things about the Economic Research Institute tool is that they have an option to look at pay by years of experience. And so if you have people with, you know, 10 years or five years or 20 years of experience, this tool helps me understand what pay looks like for people who have similar numbers of years of experience in a particular industry and in a particular job. Um, so that helps you create kind of a wage range for each position. Um, and the 
wage range would be on the low end is what you would pay for someone who's qualified for the position, but um, has some areas that they'll need to work and train on. And then the high end of the wage range is the person that is, you know, highly qualified. They are, you know, amazing at this job. They are getting to the point where they can start training other people. And then from that, we compare the pay that's happening in the organization with what these wage ranges are, how each of the positions are paid relative to one another. We look at um, also inflation, um, the amount of inflation that's been happening over the last year. In last year, we were at, I think it was 8% or 9% um, locally here. Um, And so then you make decisions about, okay, do we decide to do a full 8%? Do we do 3% this year and then know that um, if inflation is lower in in future years, then um, we'll keep doing the 3% in order to catch up? Um, So there's decisions that can be made around inflation as well. Um, And we also have a look at the living wage. um, And we use MIT's Uh, living wage report, which is coming out in April. Probably by the time this episode comes out, it will, the new data will be ready. I'm recording in the very end of March. So, um, likely you will be able to see the new, um, MIT living wage numbers, uh, by the time you're listening to this. So we'll put the link for that in the show notes as well. Um, the living wage tells you basically the amount that someone needs to earn in order to be able to afford where they live. Um, and so some counties in California having, have a living wage as low as, I think it's like $17 an hour. But then in the more expensive counties, the living wage goes up to more than $30 an hour. And again, the numbers I'm talking about right now are 2022 numbers. So those are going to increase for 2023. So we'll see what happens with those. Um, so that's another decision to be made around pay is like, if you're not paying someone the living wage, is it is it the kind of thing where you want to make a plan to one day be able to pay the living wage? Or is it the kind of thing where you're recognizing that you have jobs in your company that are not supporting people to live where they work? And so then how do you deal with that? You know, how does it brings in bigger questions, right? Of our, you know, society, like, do you choose to pay so low that people are able to qualify for government benefits? Do you decide to invest in certain kinds of benefit programs in order to be able to provide them with some of that wage um, through a tax uh, advantaged system? So these are other kinds of decisions that can come up when we're doing raises for the whole team, right? Which is different from just looking at, okay, this is our income, like this is what we can afford to do. And so we'll just split it up, you know, we'll try to figure out a fair way to split it up among all of the people, right? And these kinds of things they bring up, that they're not necessarily things that you're going to fix the year that you find out about them, right? Because 
and a compensation system has to be affordable for it to exist, right? It has to be affordable um, in order for people to keep working. Um, and so if you're, if you're, if they're through these conversations, we identify that there is a tension between what you want to do and what you can afford to do, then we can look at, okay, how is everything structured? Like, does it make sense to be the way that it is right now? Does it make sense to, to change the operations, to shift the operations in a kind of a way? Are there other kinds of benefits that can be given to these staff that would compensate them for example, for not making a living wage or for being paid lower relative to the market or, you know, these kinds of things. Yeah. So what else? I feel like that's all that's coming to mind right now. That's related to this kind of strategy of raises for the whole team and how working with an HR organizational development strategist um, is you know, relative to just purely looking at the financial piece of it. Um, and I recognize that there isn't always capacity for um, these larger conversations. You know, sometimes it is just that you have two weeks and you need to look at what people are making. You have to figure out some kind of a fair way to give them raises, doing the best that you can do. Um, and if you're in that kind of a situation, I think one thing to think about is, you know, do you have anyone who's currently being paid a lot uh, lower than people who have similar job category or similar job responsibilities? Correcting that disparity is something that um, I definitely recommend doing. There's a like legal compliance side to that, which is, you know, avoiding discrimination lawsuits and retaliation lawsuits. And then there's an, an equity and a values-based piece of that, which is, you know, fairly paying someone to do equal work. Then if you are looking at your budget and you have a set amount of dollars that you can use for raises, there are a couple ways to divvy that up, right? One way is to do a percentage amount for everybody across the board. So you say we're doing, they often are done with the term of a cost of living increase. So a cost of living increase usually is to catch up with what's happening with inflation. And it usually is the same percentage across the board. Something to think about when you do percentage increases though, is that it lowers the bottom end of your wage curve and it heightens the top end of your wage curve. So it means that there's more disparity between the bottom earners, the, the lower waged earners in your company and the higher waged earners in the company. So it gives more dollars to the top and it gives less dollars to the bottom. A different way to do it is to decide on a dollar amount that goes to everyone across the board. So you give a certain amount of cash to each position and it's the same for everyone. This is different from a cost of living increase and it is a more um, equitable way to distribute 
funds that you have available. But what that does is the opposite. It flattens the wage curve. So it brings your higher earning people down more towards the center and it brings your lower paid people up towards the center. So it flattens the curve. Um, And there are, (laughs) if you want to get into, you know, like what is a motivational wage curve to have and what those percentages look like. We we should totally have a call if you have questions about all of this, because I can nerd out on raises and wages and compensation structures forever. Um, I help to build compensation structures and update them for organizations that have, you know, 25 to 150 employees. Um, And so there's lots of really interesting um, nuances uh, that we can get into talking about if that is your jam. Um, But I do have a more kind of truncated, condensed program uh, that's called my pay clarity package. Um, which is, you know, I go into that Economic Research Institute salary assessor, pull the data for your organization, do some research on Indeed. We look at what you're paying all your people, and then we make some decisions about what you want to do for raises uh, this year and next year, just kind of based on uh, that information. And we get into some of the questions that we talked about earlier, like, are you finding people? Are you keeping people? You know, how are, how is everybody's responsibility relative to one another and, and all of that. So I'll also put that link in the show notes. Um, yeah. And I hope you have a nice rest of your day and I will talk with you again next week. Hit subscribe to know when the next episodes come out. And if you're feeling generous, please leave a review. Reviews help other like-minded folks find their way to this resource. If something you heard today brought a smile to your face or a spark to your heart, and you'd like to connect with me, there are a few ways to do that. One is my newsletter where I put most of my time and energy when I'm not working with clients or with my family or working on this podcast. Sorry, social media. The newsletter is a mix of real life stories, tips and tricks, and of course, updates on what's happening with the podcast. Whenever something's going on with me or in my business, it always comes out there first. Another resource that I have for you is my guide to doing work differently. This guide takes you through four inquiries into how you can build a more sustainable and equitable work environment for yourself and your team. It's a great place if you're looking for somewhere to get started. Last, if you've got a burning question, a comment, or a situation you'd like my eyes on, you can email me. All those links are in the show notes. Take care, brave soul. Catch you next time.